So if you could be here around nine, that would be great. Okay. Well, listen here. Hello, and welcome to Love After Lockup. Ha ha, okay. I'm Miss H, and today Mr. O and I will be discussing the season premiere of season four of Love After Lockup. In this episode, we meet Rick, a biker dude with a big dick. We meet Taylor, a mom and twin with a controlling boyfriend who's related to Brad Pitt. We meet Kayla, someone with big ring plans for her man, Martel. We meet Kevin, a gently used baby daddy and his crazy ex. We'll meet Lacey, whose man is her friend's son. And we see Indy and Harry again as Harry has made his way out of the halfway house. If you watch 90 Day Fiance, check out our other podcast channel, 90 Day MK, Teachable Moments with Miss H and Mr. O. Thanks and enjoy. Hello, Miss H. Hello, Mr. O. How are you doing? I'm doing okay. We apologize. We are a day later than we usually are. It is because we are very busy. Our springs, I'm teaching a spring semester night class on Mondays. Mr. O has lacrosse season. It's going to be, uh, you know, rough couple months for us. So we appreciate you hanging in there and being patient if occasionally we're a day late. Yes, exactly. But, you know, most of these people are usually a day late and a dollar short anyway. So <laughs> so true. I feel like you should be used to that. The expectations set up for this show should be set, set people up for just small disappointments like that, right? Right. We got to set the bar low for them. Everyone. Right. That's what I'm saying. Yes. All right. So I'm going to get started. I want to start with the one who was barely in it so we can, you know, get into the meaty stuff later. And that was uh, Kayla and I guess Martel, but we haven't met him yet. So Kayla is 33 and lives in Atlanta. And we meet her doing some sort of weird double check before putting everything into a suitcase. It's one day before Martel, 37, is getting out and her friend Hollywood is there to help her get ready. She misses a call from Martel while she's, you know, trying to get all stuff packed. And it's not the first call he's called that day. She says that in the past, she's never really been a bad boy type. It was all nerds and sports people, but not prison people. But in 2006, she started dating Martel. So, again, this is one of those relationships that predates prison. He went to prison after they started dating. Um, and he, he's in for – she doesn't seem to know. She's like, oh, drugs or something, guns. I don't know. So, she talks to him all the time in prison but hasn't seen him in person since 2018. Um, the implication, I think this might have been filmed in like 2019 though. It seemed like it was filmed a while ago. Mm-hmm. Uh, she moved from Pittsburgh to Atlanta to be there for his release. And she says she has a really big family. She's the youngest of 13. And soon she shows Hollywood like a Xerox picture of the ring she wants. And it's a sore spot for her because they've been together, her and Martel, for something like 13 years. And still no ring. There's no ring on that finger. So Hollywood wants to know how she expects a guy straight out of prison to buy the three-carat $40,000 ring she wants. God. And she's like, well, he has to have a job in the halfway house. So like most of the couples, they have you know various plans for having sex as soon as he gets released, especially since she says she'll be ovulating when he gets out and she's trying to get up, knocked up right away. The tricky part about it, though, is you know they haven't had any done anything intimate in 13 years. Because that's how long he's been gone. So, mm. but his one request for her when they, since he's been in prison, has been for her to not have sex with anyone else. Well, <laughs> a request that she heavily implies she did not comply with. <laughs> All right. So, um, I was. This was very timeline confusing to me because she's like 2018. Yeah. Is year is it now? Uh, he, we've been together for 13 years, and and she said, you know, 13 years and still no rings. So. How did she expect him to get a ring while he was in prison? I don't know. All these people get <laughs> random stuff when they're in prison, right? Like, how does anyone get anything in prison? But I don't know. I pe- feel like people, what is it, uh, survive and thrive in prison? Yeah, like, they do. But I don't know how she's like, ah, you know, it, it seems like she's at the shit or get off the pot situation. We've been together 13 years and we got to do something. But it's not like they've been like here. He's just been like in prison for 13 years. What was he going to get down on one knee and propose? Yeah. How is he obtaining this ring? I don't understand what her I plan of action think was. her ring budget is a little unrealistic given little. the circumstances. Yeah. yeah, it's very unrealistic given the circumstances. Um, I don't think he's getting her anything like that, but... No, I mean, uh, I'd just, be impressed with him if he 
cracked a thousand. Like, you know, especially right. in the timeline that she wants it, like within a month of getting out. It's like, well, okay, but that's 40,000 is probably going to be pretty close to what he's going to make in a year at his halfway house job. So if not more than that, so you're not getting a $40,000 ring like right off the right off the bat here. Yeah, but to kind of answer your question, like, I don't know. These people seem to figure it out. We had Brittany and Ray. She was demanding expensive jewelry. And granted, he didn't get her as big as she wanted, but Mm -hmm. it was still a nice looking ring. And it's like, well, you know, I don't know. It just seems to be that if people really want it, these rings or jewelry seem to come out of nowhere. Yeah. I mean, I think at the end of the day, people like, you know, um, those ones, they tend (laughs) – they're essentially buying the jewelry for themselves and they're mm-hmm. like, oh, you got me this. Yeah. With the money that you get. But OK, sure. Yeah. OK. Yeah. Let's go. There definitely seems to be a lot of that going around. Right. Um, yeah. 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 Um, OK, so let's move on to uh, let's go to our, our repeats here. We got Indian Harry. Yeah. Yeah. So mm-hmm. continuation because we just saw them last week. So we're reminded that Indy first saw Harry on TikTok and knew it was meant to be. They have been dating for a year and he's just now getting released from the halfway house. Indy was going to move back to Ohio, but now she is having second thoughts because she got in a very bad fight with Harry recently. Ohio is where Harry is staying if you didn't watch uh, the last uh, season of Love During Walkup. He calls her the day after when Harry apologizes for talking to her like he did. He also admits to making a mistake and says he loves her and wants to make it work. Indy feels like if she doesn't go to Ohio, she'll regret it. So as long as he's apologizing, she'll still move. She's going to let it slide because Harry's young and he's been in prison for a while and she just can kind of understand that things happen. Indy is talking to her sister, Londa, who thinks Indy forgave him way too easily. And that just means he'll just as easily do it again. Indy says she's made vows because, you know, that's her spiritual husband. Spiritual husband. Yep. And she's moved on from her anger. You know, the anger she had like 24 hours ago. Londa says she won't stand by to see Indy treated like this. Later, Indy is hanging out with her family and friends. She tells her friend Lacey about the racy pictures she found on Harry's phone uh, of video chats with naked women. Indy insists that Harry won't be cheating on her if they live together, so she just has to move to Ohio. Lacey thinks that Indy is just in lust. Indy then breaks it to her mom that she's going to move back. And Yolanda, her mom, says that that's a terrible idea. Yolanda thinks that Indy is stupid, and Londa says Indy should be allowed to make her own mistakes. Indy says this time is different because she has cleansed her aura and said her mantras. Yolanda hands Indy a parting gift of pepper spray and says she won't be there to bail Indy out of trouble this time. Indy is now on her way to Ohio and she'll be staying with Harry's sister, Lydia, until they are all settled. And then she will find their own place. Indy is nervous to live with Lydia because she senses that Lydia isn't quite on board with this whole relationship. Maybe not. Yeah. Yeah, I know, right? I don't think she's really on board with her living with them. I don't think she gives a crap. I don't think she's on board with anything. Like, I feel like it has to be super obvious before Indy is like, I'm sensing that maybe she's not all the way into this. I know. You would think she would be more, like, connected to her spirit and, like, get that negative energy, right? Right. Yeah. As soon as Indy gets to Lydia's house, Lydia asks her how long she's planning on staying. And Indy says, I don't know, a couple of months. This does not please Lydia. And she thinks that Indy is trying to be close to Harry just to keep an eye on him. Indy brings up her psychic, Aniris, and Lydia says that she needs to think for herself, especially because she has a daughter to take care of. She also thinks that Indy shouldn't be having her daughter call Harry daddy. Indy goes to pick up Harry by herself to bring him back and have a very late dinner with his family, who kind of has a welcome home. Indy is hoping that they will have a romantic uh, running up and into their arms moment, as well as sex that night. She jumps into his arm and he manages not to fall over. Harry is happy and just, you know, doing all that poetry crap, you know, like he's so profound, right? Saying all that poetry. Uh, Indy thinks that now that she's there, they'll get married as soon as possible. And Harry's cheating. It'll just stop. All right. So 
what do you what do you think Lydia's thinking? Like, is she going to kick these people out ever? I, she that was like the first question. That was the first question. How long are you staying here? And it was like I was expecting her to say a couple days, a week. She said a couple months. Yeah. Well, because this is Indy's problem. She very much relies on her family. And now that she's spiritually married to Harry, guess what, Lydia? You're now part of Indy's family, whether you like it or not. And that means Indy is taking advantage of you for child care, for free places to live. You know, because this is all stuff that she does to her family. Literally did both of those things like right now. Like did the child care and was like, oh, I have to go pick up Harry. She can stay here with you, right? Right. Like, it wasn't even like an ask. It was like, I'm assuming that this is fine. So Yeah. And she kind of is also because it seems like we didn't really get a whole lot on Lydia, like how many people are actually living in her apartment. But it seems like Lydia has a child as well, kind yeah. of close-ish in age to yeah, I think uh, I, Nicoa. Well, I think Lydia might have upgraded since last season. I think she might be in a house now. And I think we saw her in an apartment before. Because it it looked like a different place. So it looked like it might be a full house. But I'm still like, man, Indy, I could could drive around apartment building. I could drive around apartment complexes on Monday. I can fill out leases on Tuesday. And I can be have a place. That that is not the issue. The issue is that Indy has come to Ohio with absolutely no plan, which means no money. Right. No money is the bigger issue. Right. If, if I was Lydia and I had, the, you know, give me that free day, I'll be like, oh, I'll tell you what, on Saturday, I will find you a place to live on Sunday. I can make that happen. Right. I, I don't think it's that at all. It's the she has to wait and to find a new job in Ohio, get some income, and then she can afford to put down, you know, a deposit and first month's rent. That's yeah. really <sighs> what's preventing Indy from moving out on her own immediately. It's not looking for the right place or anything like that. And so it's just like, I, I just find that to be your a burden on other people for not planning ahead in your own life. Like there's but, no reason for you to have to live with Lydia. Like you no. could have just saved money, lived back in Maryland and like worked and, or, you know, you could have like, found a job before moving to Ohio so that way you didn't have to worry about, you know, where this money's coming from. But instead, she just mooches off of everyone because it's like yeah. you weren't even paying for rent back in Maryland. You're living with Londa. Yeah. And I'm sure she I'm sure Indy's way of looking for a job is sitting on her ass and waiting for the universe to deliver one to her. Oh, I know. I was going to say asking Aniris uh, when a job is going to come. And she's like, oh, Aniris says two months. So I won't start looking for another two months. Right. I mean, she's just I mean, I'm, you know, God bless Lydia for just being like, I know. I love dumb. that. Like, that's yeah. so dumb. You got to think for yourself. Quit listening to this psychic of yours. I was like, yes, Lydia, this is what all of us are thinking right now. And, and to be fair, it's what all of us, it's what everybody has told her. There's not anybody in her life encouraging her to go to Aniris except for Aniris. Like yeah. everybody else is like, you know what I think? Like her family, whenever she mentioned it, they're always like, you know what we think about that. Like, yeah. and it's not like they think, what a great idea. This is a, an amazing step forward for you and finding your path. They're all, all of them are just like, <sighs> Shut the fuck up about your psychic. I know. Indie. I think like a little bit, though, I wonder if uh, Indy's kind of the baby in the family. And because yeah. it kind of seems like her family really is there for her. Like she's got a great supportive, like a family that does a lot for her. And it's like, I, you know, it's I feel they've enabled her. They they have created this monster, you right. know, they need she needs a little tough love and a kick in the ass. Yeah, and I just don't, I mean. <sighs> Lydia's going to be the one to do it. I hope she is. I think Lydia's going to be the one to do it. I just, but she also, yeah, I mean, because she ultimately needs them. And so she can't yeah. just be like, well, it's just me on my own now because she would never do that. Like, you know, she's never going to be like, it's me and Harry against the world. Like, we got it. We'll figure it out. We'll take care of it. You don't approve of us. We'll take care of our shit. She's not going to, that's not her, that's not in her bones. Yeah. Like, her bones are, uh. Who can we mooch off of now? Yeah. And she doesn't see it as mooching. She sees it as the universe is providing. Yeah. Yeah. And that's not mm-hmm. th- that sucks when you're the person doing the providing and you're like, this <laughs> is not the universe. This is me. This is I'm me. I'm giving you right. shit. 
Yes. Yeah. I'm working and getting nothing for it. You're doing nothing and getting something for it. And that gets real old real fast. And I right. could see that going very poorly with Lydia. But I feel like Lydia knows her brother and is like, you definitely don't want your daughter calling this dude dad because he is not going to be around for very long. That seems right. to be the implication. Right? No, absolutely. Harry's already cheating. I mean, we can't really say he's got a track history of cheating because what he went to prison when he was 17. And mm-hmm. it's like, you know, what did, what does cheating look like when you're 17? You know, if you're like, you know, pro- you're probably not. You've never been in a very serious relationship anyway. So I can kind of see that. Um, you know, they we're not going to assume necessarily that he has a history, but Lydia's got to know. She's like, this guy, he just wants to have fun. Like, he's not yeah. trying to be in a relationship. No. And he's not it's, trying it's, to be a dad. No. And it's being a dad is sound like, yeah, I want to be a dad. I want to do what my dad couldn't do for me. That sounds amazing. And then you do it. And you're like, wow, this sucks. It's really yeah. hard work. And I don't get to go out and have fun ever. Like, and then it's like. Maybe maybe this wasn't what I was looking for here. <laughs> I kind of relate to how my dad was. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> I can kind of understand where he was coming from. <laughs> exactly. All right. So that brings us to um, let's go with uh, Taylor and Chance. So Taylor is getting the house decorating for Christmas done by hanging a single red ribbon on the wall. And then she tells us a little bit about her history. She's 26 and from Ellsbury, Missouri. She describes herself as a good girl who usually isn't attracted to inmates. I feel like there's a pattern here. Except for the one time she was and like now they're in a huge relationship. So Chance, who's 41, is in prison for robbing a grocery store bank through his aggressive flirting skills. And then he's been in prison for eight years. He's been dating Taylor for about a year so far. She's really into his... Big manly guns, like, like you know, arm muscles, not actual yeah. guns. Um, but she met him through her ex, um, who I guess was in prison with him or something. It was weird. Anyway, she didn't really fall for him until she went to visit him in prison, where – and that's where she found out that he's related to Brad Pitt. So oh, God. she thinks he's pretty hot stuff. <clears throat> so, so yeah. I, 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 that, he I, looks nothing like Brad Pitt. I mean, they're both white men. And then well, after that, we're so I was going to say, so you're also related to Brad Pitt? <laughs> <laughs> um, you know, more than like half the global population, right? <laughs> <laughs> so anyway, she is uh, – she's only they've only spent about 32 hours together in prison. And she finds his – what I consider his controlling behavior, like his obsessive phone calling, she finds it endearing. She's not opposed to when he gets out to just doing it on the side of the road, but maybe a little bit farther than two miles away from the prison. So Taylor lives with her sister, Bobby, who has had some run-ins with the law herself. That gives her someone with some perspective on what it's like in prison and what it's like to fall someone for someone on the inside that you quickly fall out of love with as soon as you get out of prison, which is a story we've seen before on this show. Mm-hmm. But Taylor is giving Chance a chance and seems e- and he seems eager to marry her. So next, we meet her three daughters, who are ages eight, five, and four. The father of her oldest two children sadly died in a car accident. And her other baby daddy is still around-ish, but they don't really talk. The kids know about and say they miss Chance. She drives them home from school to check out the, well, more extensive now, Christmas decorations. Uh, And Chance, a.k.a., uh, according to her phone, my hardcore baby, calls. Gosh. Um, he does sound pretty good with the kids over the phone and is hopeful that he'll get out early, maybe even by this weekend. His plan when he does get out is to deal with his libido, which makes Taylor a bit nervous because she's in the middle of a dry spell. Hmm. And also that this dry spell goes back way further than that. And maybe his dry spell does, you know, because he's been in prison and she's afraid maybe he forgot what to do. Um, I guess as if it's overcomplicated, but... <laughs> He throws out all kinds of potential scenarios for doing it, like in a cemetery. So then something more serious comes up. Is Bobby, her, the sister, going to be a third wheel problem? Maybe his suggestion is they can move her into the garage. Chance is worried that Bobby is going to get Taylor and by extension him in trouble. Even And, and he even cites a previous incident where she kind of did that. Um, there were drug dealers involved and things like that. 
Oh, so we get the com- she has a commercial segment this week, which is more talk about how much sex they're going to have and where they're going to have the sex. And um, also, I could not figure out what it was bleeped, but something was getting stuck in somewhere that doesn't result in pregnancy. Um, mm. I mean, I thought it was up the butt, but it didn't seem like her lips were saying that. I was a little confused. Um, <laughs> I don't know. So, I mean, we're, we're, we're going here. We have this thing. It, so far, we don't know chance at all, right? And But it seems to me to kind of be a run-of-the-mill story. Like, what's the angle here? What's, what's, what's the new piece of the puzzle? Um, I think that she just seems really sweet. Sure. I actually uh, feel like uh, typically on this show, the people that we get – you don't really have like a soft spot for them. You're like, yeah, that makes sense why they're trying to date inmates, right? And you're just kind of like, yeah, that all like scans. Um, She just seems really sweet and she has a history of this. I think maybe the other angle is her twin, um, which Mm -hmm. by the way, they don't look like twins, um, but you know, maybe the twin living there, um, I think she's got like definitely the sympathy angle with, um, you know, uh, deceased baby daddy. Mm-hmm. Um, yeah. So, I, I I mean, there's things that make her potentially interesting, but you're right in that I don't think the two of them as a couple is as interesting other than it is usually the other way around when it comes to kind of the obsessive phone calls, right? We don't really have too many of these, uh, you know, the prisoners when they get out of prison, they're the ones usually like, you know, wanting to be independent. They're they're not the ones wanting the other person to check in all the time. Right, right. Yeah. I mean, I definitely think the Bobby, because he already oh, he already is giving off vibes of being jealous of of Bobby. Yeah. Right. 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 Of like, even, like I said, even even to the point where he's like, maybe uh, I can build her a room in the uh, garage, which never I I sincerely doubt this guy's home improvement skills already. Oh, gosh. Like, it, well, he might not have forgotten how to have sex, but he. Very well could have forgotten how to, uh, you know, patch up some and uh, tape and paint some drywall. Right. Well, one thing that I will say about Taylor, and I think this kind of goes back to, you know, her being a more likable character, at least now. I mean, we all I feel like I always eat my words whenever I say like, oh, I really like this person. And then two weeks later, they like end up being like the biggest trash pile of all. Uh, But I was going to say that she uh, seems like she uh, has loyalty to her friends and family and Mm -hmm. that she's like, I'm not kicking Bobby out. Bobby's staying, you know, and I feel like if if it came down to uh, Taylor making having to choose between Chance and Bobby, she would pick Bobby. And I think that's very rare because you got Indy who's willing to, like, throw her whole family under the bus and be like, screw you. Harry's my, you know, uh, spiritual husband. I'll do anything for him. You know, This is my last chance at love. You know, you always get like those people who just are uh, so illogical about their decisions and there's like no loyalty to anyone else other than their partner for irrational weird reasons yeah i mean the one worry i'd have is i mean already from the little we've seen is i think this guy is a smooth talker yeah i could see that i can see him because he literally robbed the bank by flirting with the teller and smooth talking her like yeah. That's how he is in prison. So I definitely feel That's like true. he could he could definitely have some influences and maybe not, you know, change her mind, but kind of soften her up to maybe do something you wouldn't expect her to do right now. Yeah. Yeah, definitely. OK, uh, let's move on to Rick and Radine. So we meet Rick, 49, from Cedar Park, Texas. He's a biker dude who he has slept with, he claims, over 300 women. But... That's all over because now he's found the one. He met her when he was 40 and she was 19. They had met each other through a motorcycle club and had gone out a few times. uh, And then all of a sudden, he just didn't hear from her anymore. But that's only because she'd been arrested for meth possession. Their relationship developed through letters. And nine years later, she's getting released. She's going to be released to a halfway house. Rick relates to her because he's also been a junkie in the past and has been in prison for his fighting. 
his motorcycle friends are worried about him either using or uh, being influenced by her in some way. Radine calls him to make sure that he's preparing for her release by buying her clothes, underwear, and a hair straightener. Rick admits to spending about $10,000 on Radine so far and has questioned sometimes if she's in it for the money. But he then assures himself that she must be into him for him because <sighs> his balls don't sag. And for some reason, he really feels a need to have to show producers proof that his balls don't sag and that, you know, he's a, he's a dude that's like worth it in bed. All <sighs> right, so... Oh, my God. Rating. I mean, she was 19 when they met. What do you think that was her attraction to Rick? Twice I, her age, by the way, over twice her age at the time that they over met. Over twice her age at the time. Right. Because yeah. he was 40. Yes. I, I, I don't know. <laughs> maybe maybe he had access to drugs at the time because apparently she was, you maybe know. Maybe she was just straight up on meth. <laughs> yeah. Like that's. That's what that I got be, yeah. because uh, he said that he didn't see his magic balls yet because he apparently thinks he has magic balls or a magic yeah. cock or something. Right. Because he was just like, first of all, yeah, let's talk about that. Why did he take his dick out? I don't know. To the producers. Oh, my goodness. And it was like of all – I've heard a lot of guys brag about a lot of things about their junk. My balls aren't as saggy is not one that I've really heard stress. Maybe I'm just not old enough yet. Well, because balls are wrinkly even when you're young. So why does that even matter? Yeah, I don't know. Because then he was like, because then, you know, did the, the, the world classic thing. He was like, well, you know, once she sees it, she'll see. So it was like, I don't think girls, uh, this is like, I feel like guys have to know this by now. Girls have don't to. give a crap about balls. Like, how is that functional in any way? Well, okay. Well, balls, I'm assuming he was moving on from the balls, saying my balls look awesome, but they don't sag below my also huge, huge penis. Right. But that's not even necessarily a thing. And I'm not like, I don't know. It's like. It, the way they had the sensor bar and they also kind of shortchanged them on the center. They're like, let's make this bar as small as we possibly can and still cover everything <laughs> up, right? Because he was definitely like completely flaccid, right? And so he's trying yeah. to show, look at my, look at how big my flaccid penis is. And it's like, who cares? That's not. Why are you showing people? <laughs> Maybe this is how he ends up dating, like hooking up with 300 women. Who knows? Well, okay. So I have thoughts about that too. That is 100% because I did the math. You know, if he's how old, when did he probably start having sex, like things like mm. that. I think 400, 300, over 300 is 100 percent an estimate being like, you know, I bet in my 20s I had sex with one woman a month. How many months <laughs> is that? And then just multiplied it out. Like, I don't think he's has a tally mark or anything like that. I think he's right. just like possibly overestimating, you know, how uh, prolific he was. But also – you, if you are getting numbers that high, you don't get numbers that high without having pretty low standards of like, yeah, whoever. I'm going home with somebody tonight. Right. And considering he's been formally a junkie, I wonder how many of, you know, that happened during that time or around yep. with those kinds of people. Yeah. So, you know, like what I think of it is like drugs, hippies, free love, you know, or – Transactional drug Transactional deals. Transactional drug know. deals. Right. Like, like so I, I I could, yeah, I could see that too. Like, that takes another one because he said it bragging-ish. Like, he said, well, those days are over. But, like, backhanded brag about, like, I slept with 300 women. It's like, okay, if you slept with 300 women and 275 of them were prostitutes, that doesn't, that's not a bragging blights right here, man. Like, you know, you say, like, look how many women I slept with. It's like, you no, know, you just, no. Like, you, no. But, like. Yeah, he's just – the other question I had about him and his friends is why can – okay, he had one friend who had a normal-ish beard, right? It just – it wasn't a good-looking kept beard, but it was normal. It was just a beard. He has this stupid skinny Fu Manchu, right? <laughs> Looks terrible. His other friend had just the side part of the mustache that goes from your lips down to your chin I and shaved the top. I thought that was like – it was like, what? what is this facial hair? I thought that was like what biker dudes do, right? They just try to come up with the most ridiculous, like, facial hair. 
But I feel like it should be long, right? I feel like a big bushy Fu Manchu, a big bushy thing. I just don't – the little like, I have this tiny little dainty like pencil thin Fu Manchu that I kept very, very closely shaved. It's like, I don't know, man. I don't know. It just – and I know obviously he's had history. He's been in fights and stuff. But I just – I found it very hard to look at anybody, especially people his age in their 50s and their 60s. They're like, we're just a bunch of bikers, man. And I feel like, you know – it just feels like cosplay to me. Yeah. Yeah, definitely. Oh, yeah. But I don't know. It's it's the biker way. I feel like there's some kind of biker code or something like that where they just say, okay, let's just all agree. We all can't have the same facial hair. So how many variations can you have? Oh, so some so people like- are going to have ridiculous ones and some people are going to have more normal ones. So, I'm sorry. Sorry, buddy. We had the vote. You came into the gang late. You have to have the Chester Arthur. Sorry. Like, you get it. <laughs> yeah, pretty much. <laughs> Somebody has already claimed the full beard. Sorry. All right. So let's go on. Let's move to um, my last couple, Kevin and Tiffany. Oh, goodness. Yeah. Train wreck. Yes. So because Tiffany wasn't even the we didn't even get Tiffany. No, I don't even know if she's a train wreck. Who cares about her? Kevin's a hot mess. Well, yeah, leave the uh, hot part out. He's just a freaking mess. Yeah. So Kevin is at a restaurant waiting for, I don't know, a date or something. But it was really weird because they kind of trolled him because they come in and she's way taller than him. Anyway, he <laughs> describes himself as a low mileage, lightly used baby daddy. God. So already really off for a good start. But anyway, the title card tells us that it's not really a date. It's his friend, Lindy, who comes into who, who he tells about Tiffany, his locked up girlfriend that he met just by just bouncing around and hitting people up on Facebook. I don't even know how you do that because <laughs> don't you have to have like friends and fr- it's so weird. Anyway, they started their relationship before she went away, but it wasn't like they you know had hooked up or anything. So Lindy thinks that Kevin has his stuff together and doesn't understand why he's fucking around with people in prison. Now, Tiffany has been in prison for almost five years, and while Kevin isn't looking for, like, any babies or anything, he does want a consistent partner to build something with. In the middle of his dinner, his phone rings, and it's a call from his on-again, off-again ex, Kayla, who he's been trying to maintain a friendship with. Kayla doesn't know about Tiffany, which is for the best, because the last time Kayla knew about another girl, uh, his car got keyed. So, Lindy tells us that what Kevin is really into is hot women. Being desired, and of course, drama. So next up, we see Kevin with his 18-year-old son, Kevin Jr., showing off all the stuff that he put together for Tiffany's release. It's pretty normal stuff, though. Clothes, body wash, toiletries. They're not subjecting us to, like, condoms or dildos or anything. So Jr. asks Kevin if he's been honest about where he's at and then proceeds to have a conversation that I'm really glad I never had to have with my dad. Like. Are you sure you're going to stop being stop being able to mess around with other women? Which is exactly when Kayla, who he calls his biggest problem, gives him a call on the phone. He tells us that she is an ex and she's been and he was with her for about a year, but they tried to do a friends with benefit thing, and now he's trying to transition that into a friends without benefits thing. Although I don't think Kayla got the notice on that. So <laughs> Kevin Jr. thinks this is not gonna work, but Senior says he just doesn't want to. You know, he doesn't want to cut her off because he's just got a big heart. So she continues to blow up the phone and Junior openly worries about Kayla getting violent enough to get Tiffany back in trouble and back in prison, especially because Kayla doesn't even know yet about Tiffany. But during an interview, she calls again on the phone. He's talking to producers and then she rings on his doorbell. So it seems that since Kevin like told her, hey, don't come over, you know, whatever this time I'm going to be busy, meaning he'll be busy with the production crew. Kayla just assumed he was with some bitch, so she has come over to confront him. So he goes out to talk to her, and then everything stopped making sense because Kayla is not so, and she is just yelling at everybody. Uh, It it makes sense. She's she's like poking him in the chest, and she's doing that like stunting thing where she like jerks her head at him, and then eventually she's yelling the production crew. Um, like, why are you? A female, Get out of here. Yeah, there's a female it, producer in the mix. Yep. Because there's a female <laughs> producer in the mix. So she's yelling at the female production. I'm here. I'm here, bro. Let's go. Like, she's ready to go before she finally pulls away. So, I mean, 
how? How could this possibly work with, with Kayla? It's going to pop out of the shadows at any minute. Okay, here's the thing, too. It's like Kevin gets some kind of joy, satisfaction out of this, too. Like, it was almost like every time she called, he'd be like, look, look who it is. You know, yeah. like, speak of the devil. Like, oh, I knew she was going to call. You know, so it's like, I there's just some people that thrive on the drama uh, they're the same kinds of people who like fantasize about people fighting over them, you know, uh-huh. and it's like yeah. it somehow gives them some kind of weird validation or, you know, makes them feel wanted. And so Kevin isn't trying to get rid of Kayla. Like he's instead going to make it well known to everyone around him. Hey, this bitch is crazy, you know, but he's going to do enough to not shut it down because yeah he might tell everyone she's crazy but it's like but at the same time he's like look who's obsessed with me this woman is totally nuts for me like i am so desirable and he does try to play that up you know with his like he you could tell he struts around thinking he's like god's gift to women well obviously he's god's gift to women because he makes them all crazy Right. Yeah. Like everybody goes nuts over him. It's all this drama. Right. And she's right. His friend said, called him on it. She was like, you just like drama. You like mm-hmm. the drama. And that's why you read it. Because, yeah, I'm sure he picks women that get, are already obsessively like that. He's not turning them into those people. They were right. already those people. Right. Right. They just focused on him now. Yeah. That's it. You happen to be the object of their momentary desire and only because you haven't shut it down. Right. Because he could shut it down. He could totally. She, she's not blocked. You know, take him off the thing. But the fact that she isn't blocked, right? If you really wanted to shut it down, you block it. But he doesn't. It was like, I want to keep her around as a friend because I have a big heart. Yeah, you have a big back burner. Okay, that's what I hear. Wow, that's exactly the reason why he was keeping Lindy around. You know, like he has a big heart. It's like he kept on focusing on her boobs. It was like uncomfortable. It's just like, dude. Her eyes are up there. Like, come on. Um, it's the person who's ostensibly his friend, right? Yeah. The one who's just like just talking at her boobs. I mean, he's <laughs> definitely a boob talker. I could see that. But like, I don't know if he looks up at all at anybody. But right, right, yeah. Oh goodness, this is uh that this is going to be an interesting story though. Um, it's going to be a mess. Yeah. Well, it's funny though because like, at the end of the day. Kayla had to agree to be on the show after she knew what happened. Yeah. Yeah. Right? Because her face mm-hmm. is on. We know she's not blurred out or anything like that, which means she had this episode, right? Was yelling at any boobs she could find, right? <laughs> and then they were like, later, they were like, hey, uh, we want to use that footage. And she's like, okay, sounds good. Uh, okay. This is how I really see it going down. Um, Here's a big fat check. Yes, we will give you money. Okay. (laughs) That's how I see it going down. (laughs) Fair enough. All right. uh, Let's move on to our last couple, uh, which is Lacey and Antoine. Lacey is 38 from Snohomish, Washington. She has an ex-husband she got with when she was 18, and they were together for 28 years. So the timeline's a little weird on this. Uh, Mm -hmm. She's painting with her friends, telling them about her new man, Antoine, who, despite being 27, she calls her poppy. He has been in prison for three years for possession of a stolen vehicle. She regales them of the story where he almost got out, but then was caught jacking off with a cell phone in his hand. She met Antoine five years ago when she befriended his mom, Christy. His mom kind of shipped them together and she filed for divorce from her ex-husband after falling for Antoine. Lacey talks to her friends about a fight that they had had and Antoine had called his mom, uh, Lacey, to fix things. Lacey says her friendship with Christy has been strained. uh, Oh, sorry. Antoine had his mom call Lacey to fix things. His mom's name is Christy. So Mm -hmm. Lacey says her friendship with Christy has been strained for the last year. It's clear that Antoine and his mom are very close, maybe a little too close. Lacey gets a call from Antoine, who is in the hole because he can't seem to stay out of trouble and follow the rules. Lacey is concerned that Antoine will have to extend his stay with his behavior. Antoine is excited for weed and sex, and Lacey says she'll enjoy it for the whole two pumps. 
Antoine asks about his mom, and Lacey says things are just okay. Lacey wants to be respectful, but she doesn't really like how Christy seems to drink more these days and their interactions when she does drink. Lacey is a little worried about Antoine's faithfulness, especially because she is 10 years older. So she sets up a honey trap and pretends to be a single 26-year-old female with a big booty, and she's DTF, and writes Antoine a letter. She hopes he won't respond. All right, this was very, like, it escalated quickly. How do you go from, here's my boyfriend, to, okay, I'm setting up a honey trap? I I don't know. Um, (laughs) I feel like... I mean, the thing that me, it was like, the thing that got me about the honey trap was it's the most transparent honey trap I've ever seen in my life. Like, right. who gets a letter that's just like, I'm hot. I have big boobs. I I want to I wanna sex you. Let's go right now. You're like, I'd be like, this is fake. What is what is this? <laughs> who thinks, yeah. Yes. I ran. Who get, get regularly gets unsolicited letters of people who are DTF. Like, come on. That doesn't happen right. to people. But on the offhand chance that, you know, like it is someone who is, you know, Antoine's responding either way. You know, like, what does he have to lose? Like, and you know, this is like the dumbest honey trap ever because it's just going to be like, if she calls him out on it, you know what he's going to say. Oh, well, I knew it was fake. Whoever writes a letter like that. I was just mm-hmm. trying to see who this really was. I was trying to get to the bottom of it. So I was leading them on. It's like. <sighs> yeah. Yeah. I don't know. It, it. She just obviously already doesn't trust him, which I mean, because because she because we've already been through this this rodeo once. Right. She she blocked him and everything so much that her that his mom had to get in touch with, which, by the way, let's back that up. Yeah. Right. Very weird meeting. I can't even imagine if I broke up with someone and said, you know what? We're through. And their mom called me. I would be like, why? Why are you talking to me? I don't understand why you're talking to me. This yeah. Is nothing to do with you. Please stop talking to me. Like, I, could you imagine? Could you? Oh, my God. It's just. I don't know. I don't know. Maybe maybe you've had the parents of exes try to contact no, you to get them back together. I have never. But it seems super weird to me. Yeah. The closest I've had was um, I had broken up with someone. Well, I shouldn't say I broke up, but we had broken up. He actually broke up with me, but then freaked out that I had like left. I don't. I was in college at the time, so it make, kind of makes more sense. We got a little bit more of the story, but I'm trying to keep it simple as much as possible. Anyways, so this guy like was scared that I, I don't know, had gone missing or something like that. So he calls my parents and then they freak out and then call the police and like file a missing persons report. So it's just like that's the closest that it's ever come to like involving parents. And I thought that was weird. Like, why did you call my parents about that? That's really ridiculous. Yeah. And just I can't imagine getting it phone call from an ex's mom being like, I think you should take them back. I'd be like, what? What are you even talking about? Yeah. Yeah. I mean, I think it's weird when other people's families get involved in any kind of arguments. Yeah. Yeah. Totally. Yeah. yeah like why? I mean, I get and I, I, I don't take it a step further. Like I don't like it when um, one person in the couple is like, I don't know why you were talking to your mom about the problems in our relationship. Okay, well, that makes sense. Like, people yeah. have their family and they rely on their families and they talk to them about the issues they're having. That makes sense. If your mom called me about a fight, now we're, we've crossed some sort of bizarro line. That is mm-hmm. like, no. Because we all, we have seen people that are on the other side of that. We're like, oh, I don't like that you talk to anybody about a relationship. That seems out of bounds. And that's. Yeah controlling and ridiculous right but yes i don't think the family should be involved in a dispute between the two people in a relationship super yeah. weird yeah oh uh, but okay so we're totally pretty sure now that antoine was she was cheating on her husband with antoine right uh, it has to be because the timeline seemed a little fuzzy like she said well, first of all, we find out that she's 38. She's talking mm-hmm. about her ex-husband. She said that they met when she was 18 and they were together for 20 years. She didn't exactly say how long she had been with Antoine. But yes, exactly. It basically means the same year. I mean, at most, they've been apart for a year. Uh-huh. And yeah, and it seems like 
they've been talking to Antoine for a little bit longer than that. And I don't know. It's one of those. It's it's another one of those ones where she just they keep showing us pictures of her just being like, and I don't know how can I possibly resist? He's just so hot, and it's like, are you that sure guy? you're showing us pictures of the right guy? I know, right? That you're guy? like that guy. You know, maybe it's just one of those things too, because when you get to be a little bit older, it's like to me, I appreciate that. Like, young people are all very good-looking, like, in a way where I can, like, respect that it's like, oh, young people, they're so youthful and have, like, you know, like, I feel like I never thought that when I was young. Like, oh, everybody's hot. I'd be like, oh, no, like, you Oh, know. no, yeah, definitely, definitely. Right, You're but like, now yes. that I look back and it's just like, oh, well, they, they've got, like, youth on their side, so everyone's attractive. Not in a way where I'm actually, like, sexually like attracted to them. pursuing them, yes, yes, right? uh-huh. <laughs> But I, you know, and so maybe it's just one of those things where Antoine is like 27. So she's just like, oh, he's an attractive guy. And I also want to pursue him. Oh, yeah, we do hear that. We hear that. I mean, I feel like we hear that more on the 90 day fiance. We hear a lot of that. And my 26 year old boyfriend, who's 26, Mm -hmm. has some issues because he's 26. By the way, did I mention my boyfriend is 26? (laughs) Right. (laughs) Yeah. Yeah. I just I think this is so weird that she is friends with his mom and that's how they met like that's just like oh that's yeah, like icky I mean, and that does change the that does change the um you know balance of like is it weird that the mom called for the relationship because they were friends predating him but yeah it no, seems that's really weird super gross that would be like one of your friends dating one of your daughters that's like yeah, super no, gross that's gross it's gross i mean no i'm saying it's gross for a different thing i'm saying it's it make it makes this specific incident of why is your mom calling me yeah. less weird but makes everything else way more weird like i could not imagine maintaining a friendship with someone who like even even had a passing it mentioned a passing interest in like finding my daughter attractive. I'd be like, no, nope, we're not friends anymore. Bye. <laughs> I'm not talking to you. And you're staying away from my daughter. You are so blocked from yeah. everything. <laughs> yes. Oh, goodness. All right. So um, that's it uh, for the groups that we had this week. I don't think we have anyone. I, I think that's it. I think they I think they gave us everybody right up front, which is a, which I appreciate because I don't like waiting for like. I think we have one more coming up. I don't right. Know. <laughs> right. And I thought this was interesting, too, because all of these couples um, met somewhere, not a prison pen pal we- uh, website. So, mm-hmm. you know, that's something that's been new. So it's right. it's interesting. I, we have I, website adjacent things like I saw his TikTok and just had oh, to get yeah. him on prison. Like, well, okay. that's Indian Harry. They're a carryover, yes. so I don't really count them. But I mean, Fair enough. everyone else, you know, met in some other kind of way. And I wonder a little bit if that is going to up the chances of longevity with these couples. I don't know. I don't know, because we had that short lived couple. Right. And we that we had talked about a few weeks ago where I thought they, you know, um, I thought that they had, you know, I thought they were prison went. So I was like, oh, man, they weren't even on the show. And you're like, actually, they hooked up in a bathroom before he went to prison. Don't you remember that? So. Oh, I feel yeah, like yeah. That, Andrea that, Lamar. No, no, that was no. The other ones. Um, I forgot her name again. Um, the crazy one with the red hair. Oh, yes. Heather Dylan. and um, Heather and Dylan. Dylan. Heather and Dylan. Yes. Yes. Yeah. Um, but they met at a party right before. Yeah, because I I th- I wonder if sometimes they're kind of holding on to this like one magic night that they had, mm, you know, oh, yeah. we met him, we were super into each other. And I mean, come on, we all know that there's people you're super into for the first night. And then a few weeks later, you're like, yeah, <laughs> <laughs> right. They just have been holding on to that first night for a really long time. Yeah. OK, so of uh, everyone we've seen, uh, who is your student of the week? Oh, my student of the week was – oh, geez. I actually had t- trouble with it. So I went with oh, yeah. um, Harry because I feel like everybody else who was on sc- – first of all, we actually saw him. I didn't want to give it to somebody we hadn't seen. Yeah. Um, and we saw him and he didn't do anything stupid. I feel like everybody else did something remarkably stupid in their, um, in their scenes. I don't know about that. I mean, we know that he's cheated. It's like, that's not good. I mean – their storyline is a little bit farther along. Yeah, I'm saying in this specific episode. Um, yeah, I went with Taylor. 
Um, sure. For what I had mentioned before, I just feel like she's trying to take care of her family. She has loyalty for her family. It doesn't seem like she's going to, uh, you know, uh, pick her partner over her family. And I think it makes a difference, too, t- because, I mean, a lot of times uh, some of these women mostly end up being moms and we don't even know that they're moms until like yeah. halfway into the season right and we're like where were these kids the whole time i mean but it's it just seems like she's more connected with her family in a positive way and she's not just trying to abandon her kids and like make her life her partner even abandon her sister yeah i don't know i just something something about her Oh, I know I'm going to eat my words, you know, like in a couple of weeks, she's going to be the biggest trash pile. I just think she's I think she she comes across to me as hopelessly naive. She does. Yes. And that's that I think is going to be it's going to be an issue. Yeah. OK. What about your dunce? Um, I'm going to go with the guy who whips his dick out for no oh, reason and go with Rick. <laughs> <laughs> oh, goodness. Um, just because he whipped his dick out. Just because he whipped his dick out. Yeah. All right. All right. Um, I went with Indy. I mean, already in this show, she's forgiving Harry for cheating. She's mooching off of, like, you know, Harry's family. She's, you know, just making dumb decisions left and right. She's, as uh, Lydia puts it, not thinking for herself. It's just like, Indy, what are you doing? I know. Yeah. All right. What about your life lesson? All right. My my life lesson kind of goes, this is kind of a teacher one. It's like... Smart goals. Oh, yes. Right? <laughs> Actually, smart goals, I think, is like um, just a professional thing. But I know we hear about it quite a bit in education. Yep. Right. So it's what? Specific, measurable. Yes. Uh, attainable. Attainable, yep. Right. Uh, so that's that's what I'm like. That's what, We need smart goals here. Yes. Like not, <laughs> you're not getting your $40,000 ring. You're not going to, you know, get married right away. You're not going to do this. Everything isn't going to be bed of roses. And also reasonable goals. Let's also yeah. set reasonable goals. Right. Because like getting a job and moving out of someone's house before a few months goes by right. is a reasonable goal that you should set for yourself. Like, yeah. let's move forward with these. Yeah, that's very true. Uh, so mine uh, life lesson is directed towards Kevin if someone wants you and you don't want them, you simply cannot be friends until no. that person has stopped having an interest in you. And even then, I would question if they were really being honest with you or themselves. It's just well, you can't yeah. be friends. I mean, I definitely question how honest Kevin is being with us um, because she seems to very much think that they're in a relationship. Oh, yeah. He's so hooking up with her. Yeah, definitely. So, yeah, but that's what I'm saying. Like, you just can't be friends. There's, It's just not fair to the other person because you're giving them some kind of hope. And yeah. I think you're giving them hope because you want the attention. Mm-hmm. That's what yeah. being friends to you means. Like, yeah. having someone yeah. around that gives you attention and wants yeah. you. I mean, that feels good, but it's not fair to other people. Yeah. No, it's not. It's not fair to have somebody around that you have no intentions with. Right. But- I think he kind of does have half intentions. I think you're right. I think he's still he's still hooking up with her. And yeah. I think he's justifying his hooking up with her by being like, well, you know, it's just easier to sleep with her than to have to deal with the. The crazy if I don't. Jeez. Yeah, exactly. Yeah. <laughs> uh, we're going to have a dick measuring contest with uh, Rick and uh, <laughs> with Rick. Kevin. I have a feeling by the end of this uh, season. Notes. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> we'll have to compare their sensor bars. <laughs> <laughs> All right. So uh, we hope to be back next Monday. I don't think yes. we have any schedule issues this uh, time around. So Yeah, we um, should be good this time. Yeah. Mm-hmm. Okay, so we'll be back next week then. All right. See everybody then. All right. Bye. Okay. Bye. <laughs>